hear the word of our Lord from 1 Corinthians chapter 9, beginning in verse 24. Do you not know that in a race all the runners run, but only one receives the prize? So run that you may obtain it. Every athlete exercises self-control in all things. They do it to receive a perishable wreath, but we an imperishable. So I do not run aimlessly. I do not box as one beating the air, but I discipline my body and keep it under control, lest after preaching to others, I myself should be disqualified. This is the word of our Lord. Thanks be to God. Well, happy Ash Wednesday, everybody. You know, when it comes to Lent and Ash Wednesday in general, I have always rebelled against the notion that this that all it means is that you're sad until Easter, or that you're miserable until Easter. You gotta just destroy your life, man. You gotta be super depressed all the time. I, I'm here to tell you right now, for Lent, it is okay to smile. In fact, it's okay to see Lent as a happy time. Why? Well, when you think about Ash Wednesday, it is the imposition of ashes, right? You go to church, and your priest or your pastor gets their little ash and oil, usually the ashes from Palm Sunday after they burn down the uh, palm branches. They make a little tincture out of that. They put the thumb in it, and they make the little cross on your forehead saying, Remember that you are dust, and to dust you shall return. That's incomplete, by the way. Um, one of my favorite hymnals of all time. Please excuse the uh, coffee machine here. One of my favorite hymnals of all time during the funerary order that I, I love, love, love doing whenever I've done funerals, the complete statement, for us at least, was, remember that you are dust, and to dust you shall return, and from dust you shall rise again. When we put those ashes on somebody's forehead, yes, is this a memento mori? Yes. Is it reminding you that you are going to die? Yes. And is it even reminding you that here on earth, this is not our home. We are living a sort of living death because in our baptism, our old Adam has been crucified. Our sins have been forgiven and we are home until we are with the Lord in heaven and at the resurrection. Absolutely. And it also calls to remembrance the fact that Jesus died for us. You know, it, it's during this period of time in which we start reading passages about Christ setting his face towards Jerusalem to go die on a Roman cross for us. Absolutely, that's no coincidence. But if you notice that that's a good thing, that Jesus died for you, have you, have you noticed that Christ having died on the cross for you is good? That with his suffering and death, his atonement and resurrection, he has defeated sin, death, and the devil for you. That's good. That's a good thing. And so during Lent, oftentimes we, we get into these spiritual disciplines, or what's often known as a Lenten sacrifice. So we can, well, maybe sympathize with Christ a bit. Yeah, he suffered, so we should suffer. At least that's how it was presented to me growing up, um, usually through people that don't like the idea of a Lenten sacrifice. But 
is it really supposed to be that way? Obviously, yes, we want to give up something for Lent, or we want to do something special for Lent. You don't have to give something up. In fact, it could be that you're like, hey, I want to give five bucks to charity every single day and make myself do that every day for Lent. And that is just as legit as giving up drinking or giving up, I don't know, soda for Lent or something. The idea is, yes, we do sympathize a bit. But it's okay to do it for joy and for happiness' sake. Because your Lenten devotion, your Lenten sacrifice, should be something that makes you better. St. Paul talks about disciplining his body. Not to be sad, not to afflict himself and to just destroy himself. He, he's trying to make himself better so that he doesn't screw up. He wants to make himself a better human being with that. So a good example of this, if you have a thing for food, if you, if you get hangry, or if you notice that you just don't have self-control around food, you have problems with it, fasting, traditional fasting, or um, a collative fast if you want, which is, you know, lighter meals, that kind of fasting will help you have more self-control around food. Or if you have a thing for alcohol, it's a weakness for alcohol, and, you know, usually you try to limit it to a couple of drinks a night or something like that, but you know that you've been drinking every night. You know what? Going on a Lenten fast away from alcohol, if that's your Lenten sacrifice, that's going to make you better. That's going to give you more self-discipline so that you can fully divorce yourself from the human urge towards idolatry of one thing. You know, some people really do worship one thing or another that's related to the flesh. That could be, you know, like I said, food, drinking, that could be watching TV or drinking lots of soda or what have you. I would recommend for people, see this as a joyful time. It's an opportunity this year that God has said, okay, I want to remind you that my son died for you so you can live eternally, that's a good thing. And now out of gratefulness, we go, okay, this is the God that knows what's best for me, that wants what's best for me, and I want to do my best for him. Okay, you know what? I'm going to take this as an opportunity out of gratitude and joy to ask for his help, ask for the Holy Spirit to help me out here, and to make me a better Christian than I was before this year's Lent. And these days, guys, you know, discipline is lacking in our generation and the younger generations. I'm a millennial, guilty as charged, and Lord knows I've had my thing, um, my experiences and run-ins with various addictions and things like that. I'm sure we all have. And discipline counteracts that. And I rejoice and I am happy that God gives me that opportunity. Now, bear in mind, though, by the way, it's voluntary. You want to do your best, but if you drop the ball, <laughs> let's say you're, you are trying to do a collative fast, two light meals before dinner, and dinner is your only real meal. Um, if you drop the ball and you have that big fat cheeseburger for lunch during your collative fast, um, don't feel bad. You didn't sin. 
I mean, unless you swore an oath to Almighty God that you were going to do this fast, which I don't recommend, um, it's okay to say, oh man, you know what, I dropped the ball, oh, that sucks. Alright, I'm going to try again tomorrow. I'm going to do my best tomorrow. And like to see this period of time as working on it, trying to be better about it throughout that time. So with that though, guys, again, this is a great time of the year. It's, it's training for us. It's training with a goal. It makes us better people. And I praise God for it because if Christ had not died for our sins, would any of us at this point care? I mean, St. Paul says in 1 Corinthians, you know, he, he does say, you know, if Jesus didn't rise from the dead, then let us eat and drink for tomorrow we die. Nobody would care about discipline. We'd all go be, you know, a bunch of, uh, well, freaks, losers, and hedonists like the rest of society. So God, having liberated us from that, has done something wonderful to us, and I praise the Lord for it. So, dearly beloved, remember that you are dust, and to dust you shall return, but from dust you shall rise again. Amen and amen.